Last week, we last meeting rather, we started a new series, If Money Talked. Um, and I think those of us that were here two weeks ago, we had a swell time um, and a gentle letting into the subject of money. Today, we want to take that conversation further. And we have a distinguished, um, erudite, finance, financial facilitator. <laughs> to talk us through or facilitate um, today's conversation. Basically, um, we'll still be interacting together. It's always like that, um, but we always have a facilitator to moderate what that would look like. And so today we have the person of um, Sister Adeola to do that for us. So I would hand over to her and she'll call the shots. I will do whatever she tells me to do whenever she tells me to do it. <laughs> I'll be a good student. So over to you, Mark. God bless you. Let's make her feel welcome. Uh, well, this is unfair. <laughs> <laughs> Such is right. mm. No worries. I'm Good evening, everyone. Um, it's good to be here today. And I'm a bit nervous because it's my first time doing this, but then God will guide us and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, could you please play the YouTube video? Yes, please. <laughs> All right. Um, that should be this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then what he said? Oh man, that is wild. That takes the cake right there. Mom, Mom I gotta go. This is money, what's your emergency? A fraud alert? Okay, uh, where was the money spent? Albuquerque. Yeah, no, that's your sister's wedding gift that you got her. Crisis averted. It never gets old in the land of money. Good morning, I'm money. Good morning, you've reached money. Hello, this is money. Oh, no, I'm not all money. I'm just your money. No, I'm not God. I mean, some people think that I'm God. <laughs> kind of awkward. <laughs> Hi, Karen. Karen, what's wrong? No, that's not the IRS, Karen. Do not give them any information. Nope. You're not going to jail, Karen. Don't give your social to anyone over the phone, okay? Unless it's me, JK. I already know what it is. Hey, Betsy, this is Bunny calling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I just figured I'd call and check in. It's been 362 days uh, since I heard from you. I realized that things got complicated during tax season, but I just want to make sure that we're still on good terms. Hello, yes, I'm calling for Jim. This is money. Jim, I know that's you. You just said this is Jim, and then you said Jim's not here. Hello. Hey, Karen, how many different streaming content services do you subscribe to? No, that's great. I'm not saying you should feel guilty. I know that cable is very expensive. But if you subscribe to every single streaming service, it will actually be more expensive because you're buying all of the content that exists. Karen? Hey, Becca, listen, we're gonna have to cut back a little bit. There's only so much self-care that we can afford. Nails, yoga, spa treatments, gym membership, hot air balloons, exfoliation uh, via avocado, 
host, Cricket. Do we need Cricket season tickets, Becca? I don't know if we do. Balance check? You betcha. <laughs> I'm your money. I've never seen that. Do you really not know how much you have in there? Okay, okay, we're doing a game. You tell me how much you think you have, okay? Yes, go ahead. Higher. Higher. Nope. You've got to take it higher. Yes, that's correct. Ding, 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 ding. No, this is a great problem to have, okay? Because now that you know, there are places we can go. What? I am writing that down. Whoa, the adrenaline. It never gets old. Never gets old. I'm alive. Welcome back to session two of If Money Talk. We're asking the question, what would money say if money could talk? And we've discovered that what money would say actually matches what Jesus did say when he did talk about money. Now, if you'll remember in session one, I asked you, what would you do or what do you do with your spare money, your extra money? And then I went about proving to you that you actually have spare money or you had it anyway, because all of our money is accounted for, right? We either spend it or about to spend it or we're paying off what we spent it on a long time ago or maybe we're saving it for a vacation or a rainy day or retirement. And I used a word to describe this destructive cycle and the word was, well, you'll remember, greed. Greed, as we discovered, is the assumption that everything that comes our way is for our consumption. That every single dollar that comes my way, it's meant for me. Every dollar that comes your way, it's meant for you. It's meant to spend now or it's meant to save for later so you can spend it later. But either way, it's for you, it's for me. Now, of course, Jesus disagreed with this whole idea. In fact, he told us, and he didn't mince words, that life does not consist. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. In other words, life is not about stuff. Life is not about what you have. Life is not a race for newer, nicer, upgraded, renovated. Life is so much more than that, and you know that. And your money, Jesus said, is just a tool. In fact, if money could talk, it would remind us, I can add meaning to your life, but I am not the meaning of your life. Now this week, we're gonna discuss a second thing our money might tell us if our money could actually talk. And if our money could actually talk, it might tell us this. The moment you think you own me, I actually own you. The moment you think you own me, I actually own you. Now, to illustrate this, I want us to look at the way the typical American handles their finances. And this is going to be a little bit disturbing. Here's a graph. Uh, we can't talk about finances without using a graph, right? So, so here you go. The y-axis, the y-axis is actually your money, and the x-axis is actually your time, your lifetime. Now, hopefully, in your lifetime, your income will look something like this. And for many of us, our spending will look something, well, it'll look something like this. The truth is, most of us allow our income to actually match or drive our spending. In other words, if you make $45,000 a year, you're going to spend $45,000 a year. If you make $55,000 a year, spend it. $100,000 a year, spend it. $200,000 a year, spend it. $250,000 a year, to which you may respond, not me. If I made $200,000 a year, I would save a lot of it. Maybe, but probably not. I say probably not because your current habit would follow you right up the pay scale. And that's not the only thing that would follow you. Financial pressure would follow you as well, which will come as a shock because you think if I made that much money, how could I possibly have any financial pressure? Well, you'd be surprised. People who make that much money, but have spent it all, you know, car payments, big mortgage, second mortgage, they feel extraordinary financial pressure. 
For some of you, this is your story, right? You are making more money than you've ever made and you feel as much financial pressure or more as you've ever felt. In fact, it's worse, right? Because you see, if you lose a $55,000 a year job, you can go find one of those. You lose a $250,000 a year job or maybe a $400,000 a year job, you know, good luck, right? Those jobs are few and far between. The more money people make, if their spending follows their income, the more pressure they actually feel. Now, for some of us, the graph actually looks more like this, right? Our spending actually exceeds our income. In fact, sometimes it's because income drops, maybe you were laid off or you decided to leave your job or change careers, but often it's because we spend and borrow until we're upside down. And the next thing you know, <laughs> you don't just have a money problem, you have, well, you have all kinds of problems. You have a marriage problem. Every conversation is about money, right? How could you or why did you or didn't we already or didn't we talk about that? Lots of folks, with lots of stuff, have lots of financial pressure. You see, when your life is like this, you actually become a slave. You have purchased or borrowed your way into slavery. Visa, American Express, a student loan, they're actually your master. Now, they don't wanna be your master, that's not why they're in business. They're in business to facilitate your happiness, to make things easier for you, to help you get through school or maybe own a home. But when your personal finances look like this, they become your masters. And you know what? You hate them. <laughs> Worse, you don't even know who them is to hate. And they don't know who you are either. You know what? You're just an account number. If you don't believe me, call them. Tell them your name. And what's the next question they ask? What's your account number? You're a number, not a name. And worse, you're a slave. You can't buy this, you can't drive that, you can't vacation here, your kids can't go to school there, right? I mean, who's running your life? People people that you don't even know, companies you don't even work for, the mortgage company, the credit union. You're a slave to a group of people you don't even know. And worst of all, you did this to yourself. It's why money would say, if our money could talk, it's why our money would warn us, the moment you think you own me, the moment you think you get to do whatever you want to with me, I actually, I actually own you. Now, Luckily, Jesus addresses this, and spoiler alert, according to Jesus, we don't actually own our money. It's not actually ours, but we think it is, and of course we do. I mean, why wouldn't we? Think about the words we use. You earned it. Uh, you made it. Um, you, you put in the hours. Your name is on the paycheck. It was deposited into your account. So, of course, we think we own this stuff, to which our money and our stuff might reply, hey, but I'll still be here when you're gone. This is how we know we're not owners. We leave it all behind. We don't own it, we just manage it, and we only manage it for a little while. Which begs the question, manage it for who? And Jesus answered that question for us in a parable. Now, it's a parable that you might have heard before, and so try not to allow your mind to rush to the end. But here's a parable Jesus taught that really lays the foundation for where we're going in this session. Here's what he said. He said, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. Now, in a parable, there's always a God figure and then there's always an us figure. Somebody in the parable represents the folks in Jesus' audience and somebody in the parable represents God the Father. And if you read this parable, if you read the whole parable in context, it becomes very clear that the wealthy man, the one who's going on a journey and entrusts his wealth to his servants, he represents God. And the servants to whom the wealth is entrusted, well, that's me. 
and that's you. He continues, again, it will be like a man who goes on a journey, who calls his servants to him, and he entrusted his wealth to them. Now notice, he doesn't give them his wealth. This wasn't a loan. He just let them manage his money for him for a little while while he was gone. And what percentage of the money did the servants own? Well, zero percent. What percentage did the master own? All of it. It was all his. And this is important. In fact, this is actually the point of the parable. Jesus continues, to one he gave, you may remember this, five bags of gold, to another he gave two bags of gold, and to another he gave one bag, each according to his ability. And then he, the master, left to go on his journey. So essentially the master gets his guys together, he hands each of them a portion of his wealth, and he says, while I'm gone, I expect you to do with my wealth what I would do with my wealth. I want you to manage it the way you think I would manage it. And when I return, you'll have an opportunity to report on how you did. Now, if you know this parable, you know what happens next. When he returns, he discovers that they all didn't manage his money the same way, right? Two of these three guys, they did really well. In fact, they doubled their master's money. One of them doesn't do quite so well. He buries it. Jesus continues. After a long time, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and he settled accounts with them. And this is where the point of the parable becomes oh so clear. The servants didn't get to keep the money they'd been managing. They didn't get to keep the extra money they'd made on their master's money. It all went back to the master. Why? Because 100% of it belonged to the master and 0% belonged to the servants. They were managers. They weren't owners. And when we read this parable, there's a tendency to get all caught up in the unfairness. I mean, one guy got five, another guy got two, one only had one. In fact, some of you are kind of stuck there right now, right? You look around the world, you look around your community, you look at your friends and you think it's just not fair. I work just as hard as he does. I work just as hard as she does. His salary is twice as big as mine. I mean, if I had that much money, if I had that opportunity, but Jesus says, no, that's not the point. The point of this parable is simply this. It's not the amount of money that each of these servants was asked to manage. That was outside of their control. The issue wasn't how much they managed, it's what they did with what they were asked to manage. Now, think about this. If you sat down with your financial planner or with a financial planner who was managing your money and you asked to see where your financial planner had invested your money and he or she said, well, you know, I'm not really that organized and I don't really keep track of all those details. Um, but it seems to me, well, as soon as a financial planner says, it seems to me, um, it's time to find the new financial planner, right? Because when you manage someone else's money, you are responsible and you are accountable, responsible and accountable. So, how about you? Do you feel responsible and accountable for how you are managing God's wealth, the wealth that he has entrusted to you? Or are you the kind of financial planner that <laughs> God would have to fire I mean, could you give an account of where your money's going, where it's gone, or is it just gone? If all of this, it seems a bit overwhelming, no worries, we've got a couple more weeks to talk about it. And this week, we're gonna do something super specific to help you focus on this principle. We're going to spy on our money together. That's right, we are all gonna spy on our money, and we're not gonna establish a budget, we're just gonna keep track of where we typically send it and spend it. In your workbook, there's actually a tool to help you do that all week long. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, or perhaps you even leaned over and whispered to the person next to you, you know, there's an app for that. I don't need to use something in the workbook. And there is. In fact, there are several apps for that. And feel free to download one of those and use it this week. 
But you may be thinking something else. You may be thinking, Andy, I don't need to do this. All of this shows up on my Amex bill. I don't need to track it. It, it basically tracks itself. But that's not the point of this week's exercise. Knowing you can know is not the same as knowing, right? The fact that you have access to how much you've spent in different areas is different than sitting down and looking categorically at how much you've spent and where you spent it. So this week, I want you to look. I want you to keep track. I want you to spy on your money. Because when it comes to money, we should never find ourselves saying, well, well, it seems to me, or I'm not really sure, or it seems like last time. I mean, let's face it, a certain amount comes in, and then we send it places, right? A certain amount comes in, and then you, or you and your husband, you and your wife, you decide where it goes. So when it comes to money, there should be no mystery. There's mystery when it comes to love and romance. There's mystery when it comes to kids. In fact, there's a lot of mystery when they become middle schoolers and high schoolers. But when it comes to knowing where your money went, there should be no mystery. And this is true whether you have a little or a lot. Remember the parable. How much money each servant was managing was irrelevant. What mattered was what they did with what they were asked to manage. Jesus could not have been clearer. The reason you should keep track of where your money is going is that it's not your money. You're a manager, not an owner. So you should be knowing where all your master's money is going. <laughs> All right, um, I will start first. And as a Nigerian, people would say, Did you catch your sub? Praise <laughs> <laughs> gospels everywhere. I caught mine, and I would like us to share what we learned or what. <laughs> what um, John taught us or what we felt was impressed on our heart from the video. And um, okay, so I'll start. What stood out for me is when he said 100% of your money is God. Mm. I mean, when I was listening to it in the evening, I'm like, uh no like 10 percent is okay for god <laughs> <laughs> that's the school of thoughts that i feel majority of us might have had over time as mm. long as you got the 10 percent then the 90 percent is mine and mm. i won't come near my finances mm. but andy is saying that that's contrary to what God has in mind for us. And I personally feel that this series is set to shift our mentality, our perspectives uh. about money. And God wants us to begin to see that. You know, last week we talked about how God is the Lord of our lives. And we're not compartmentalizing God as the God of my marriage the god of my children the god of this and that is the lord over every aspect of our lives which means that money and last week after last week's uh, uh not last week two weeks ago after that session i struggled a bit and i had to go to the place of prayer because i never realized that i was holding back my money from god do i give do i pay my tithe yes 
but this feels like another level. You know how Ezekiel said, ankle level and mm-hmm. you know, your knee and then yeah. your waist. It felt like God was saying, come up hither. Mm. And that was a lot. And this, this video is still a lot. So I'd like us to share and talk about what you felt like, okay, this is what I do or this is what I don't do. And what, you know, let's just share. I don't want to be like, oh, Pastor Kawa. I'm not sharing, <laughs> but thanks for the applause. <laughs> I wanted to point out that um, I wrote praise, raised up her hand before, but she put it down. So I would imagine she still wants to say something. I'll share later. <laughs> yeah, good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Good Pastor, evening, everyone. Pastor Kawa, could you enable me share this? Okay. Share my screen. Um, just a minute. Yeah, you can do that now. Thank you, Sister Prince, please. Okay, I just wanted to point out what got me. Like, um, I what got me from the first quote. Um, if you where if money could talk to us, if you think you own me, I actually own you. Like that really. I didn't even first understand when I first saw it, but when he began to explain, and I began to see the point, another thing that got to me was the parable. Like, I have never seen the parable that way. The point where he brought out the fact was not about how much was given to each of the servants, but what they did with the portion of the master's wealth that was given to them. Like, he really got me. That's what I wanted to share. Thank you for sharing. That's that also caught my attention because I didn't even I didn't also see that scriptures like that. And uh, thank you so much for sharing. Uh-huh. I don't want to call names. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess uh-huh. I could go. Um, yes. Yeah, so what stood out for me was where is um, what Olusio mentioned in the chat. Yeah. Um, knowing you, knowing you can know is different from actually knowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember earlier today. Yeah, earlier today. Um, I went to the market and then before going to the market, of course, I did. I wrote my list, calculated what I was going to spend and everything. And then in as I was calculating what I was going to spend, I decided to just add up all add up everything I spend in the month. And then, I mean, while I had an idea of how much it should be, just inf- imputing the figures and all that made me okay, more aware like, okay, okay, this is actually, so knowing knowing what I thought I knew was even from actually knowing it, but actually putting in the figures and the calculator. So it's like, which is one of those things that I'm really trying to do more of, like actually putting those things like, if it's to write it down, write it down. Okay, what am I doing with money or what? Any, not just money now, but like just penning down stuff, not just trying to think, oh, I know it in my head and just going away with that. So yeah, that's the out for me. Thank you for sharing. We speak to keep keeping track of how we spend our money. That was like at the tail end of what the guy spoke about. Thank you so much for sharing, Sister Tamara. Who else would like to share? I can go next. But there's a question. <clears throat> there's a question in the chat thread about if you can share the apps mentioned by Andy. Do we know, Cora? 
No, it's, it didn't mention any specific one. It's just saying that there are lots of finance managing hubs. So Stephen is asking if anyone knows any of those hubs that you could recommend. Personally, at least um, for us as a family, the one we reverted back to is not exactly enough. It's just a spreadsheet. Um, so it's like a template I saw on Google Docs for budgeting um, that we went back to to do something like this. But there was an app, remember, there's, there's an app called Wallet that came with my phone. And I and Kola could add our accounts into it. And then it will show you how much you're spending and categorizes it. I think we... Many, many of these hubs are like region based so it might be available to you in the uk and not available to someone in nigeria and but it's worth checking out i know if you search wallet on play store now is google's wallet that will come up because google has just owned that name again for what used to be google pay um but yeah there, there's an app like that for someone check it out um, so for me what stood out for me was was the parable, how he used the parable to actually explain our finances. And then the part where he said, um, would God fire you? My heart skipped. Because <laughs> when he was saying all the things, it was saying at first, I was just taking it up like, yeah, yeah, I'm good at that. Yeah, I'm good at that. And then when he said, would God fire you? I remember the Chinese, I asked like two days ago, I thought, ah, he might actually fire me. You know? <laughs> yeah, so that got me. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Sister Wahenke said, Stan, thanks for sharing. Uh, I have my, my own finance app. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's actually feeling that. So one of the um, bank apps that I use, Monzo, you, it keeps track of everything that I spend and it categorizes them if it is mm. transferred or mm. if it's eating out. Yeah. Or I'm not sure Nigerian bank apps do that because I, I, I've never been able to. I, I've not seen that feature yet. Um, okay, so I'd just like us to. So some. I, oh, sorry. I, I think maybe that's the purpose of the statement of accounts. Mm. So for the most part, like even if the banks don't help you to do that. Sorry. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Um, yeah, but you can always look at your statement of account or they send it to you monthly and then you can incorporate the idea of um, what Pastor Kola said using the spreadsheets to actually calculate your own spend. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Matt. Um, Olusio, you're raising your hands. Hi, good evening, everyone. Good evening. So what stood out for me was knowing that you can know is different from knowing and um recently like two in july actually i had to sit for an exam and um prior to the exam i thought um now i'm knowledgeable about it they can't ask something that is different from my feed i mean what i've always known and things like that so shortly before the exam one of my colleagues says similar questions and past questions and i was looking at it and i'm like hey what is this i had an idea but i felt like what am i going to write that the examiner is going to give me concrete score and things that i would want so it's made me to you know get my books all over again 
starts um, reading properly, forgetting about um, whatever I, I must have known or things like that. So knowing that you can know is actually different from knowing. It's not just in mourning, it applies to um, every area of our lives. Oh. Also at work, so there's this, um, so I work in the theaters and um, I work in an orthopedic department, orthopedic surgery unit. And um, I've always done this. There's this, we do a lot of procedures and things like that. And um, so, and each procedure has different system to which you can use to achieve. So for instance, if you want to do a knee replacement surgery, mm. they're, they're like three to four system that you can use to achieve a new replacement surgery. Um, there's this system that I'm used to and they brought another system and I'm like, oh, we, we just use uh, how we used to do it. Like it's the same step now we can, we can follow, we can rough arm. That was how I wanted to disappoint my forefathers in the theaters. But <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> thankfully there's always somebody on standby to show you how to arrange those things and all of that and all of that. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that also made that jump at me because it has happened, you know, on several occasions mm -hmm. to me. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I think I love the fact that major, so many of us picked the, um, knowing that you know is different from knowing something like that and i think it's we we need to get to a point where we are intentional about knowing not just our finances but every other aspect of our lives mm -hmm. and before we move on from this i'll just like to share because personally i'm not sure i can use apps to track how i spend my money so what works for myself and my husband is we have like a notepad. So we've got fixed monthly expenses that we know we can't boycott or say we are not doing this. So all of those fixed expenses, we know them, we know how much it is top of our heads. We can say this is how much we spent like fixed monthly expenses. Mm -hmm. So in a way that might also help people that might find it difficult to say, I'm you know, trying to correlate this is what I did with my statement and you know stuff like that so it might um just help that way um so I'd like us to talk about I don't know if this would be too personal or not so is it possible for us to talk about I your monthly or maybe not monthly your expenses are they more than your income have you found yourself in a situation where you spent more than you should, and mm. then you pay for it. Maybe you had to borrow. So the, the guy said, so Andy said, you borrowed your way or you borrowed, or there was another word he used. Mm. So have we found ourselves in a situation where we had to, you know, spend more than our income? And it is not because, it was just because we were not disciplined enough. And then we had to resolve to borrowing. Mm. And if that happened, what did you do at the end of the day to, you know, fix yourself up? Because my belief about borrowing is if you borrow today, so I used to work in a bank in Nigeria and 
they would encourage us to get different, oh God, get loans, get this card, get that card. And then when people get their salaries before that same day, they are paying loans. And then the money they have left is like maybe, I'm just saying, maybe 15K out of, say, almost 300,000 naira. Mm-hmm. And then you have 15K because you've paid all the loans you borrowed. And then I used to champion and say, if you guys keep borrowing, every month you would always have to pay back. And then you would always fall back to borrowing. Mm-hmm. So I would like to know if, we've have, if we have ever been in that situation and what did we do to get out of it? Sister YNK. Yes. Um, thank you. Um, it's, it may not really be... Okay, sorry, I forgot I had the program. It may not really be from my personal experience, but I want to speak generally on the situation in the environment where I am. Mm-hmm. And um, it will, uh, by God's grace, I've, I've been in this country for more than a decade. And I came to a conclusion that at least I would say for America, I don't know about other industrialized nations, but the system itself was mm. built to run on credits. You to kind of be like a borrower. Mm. And I'll try to explain a little bit, especially, you know, maybe for those in Nigeria, I'll try to put some light into it. Now, the system is made in such a way that, for instance, you want to get the house. And truthfully speaking, um, owning a house kind of is better than renting a house here. Why? Because you find out that at the end of the day or at the end of you know, the whole thing, what you are paying in, in rent, if you are a renter, if you rent a house or apartment or whatever it is, versus what you would pay if you bought a house. Now, buying a house is not like actually, and, and this is across some, not just buying a house, but across so many other things, even if you want to buy something as little as a phone or a TV, they will tell you, oh, you can, you can, you can buy it and then you pay little by little. So indirectly, that's like a, a way of borrowing, right? Mm-hmm. So you own, you own whatever it is, but you don't finally own it until you're done paying, paying, paying for it. So if, you, if you're not able to finish making the payment, they can collect it back the day here being the bank. So back to the aspect of uh, using the house as an example. Um, now you find out that what you will be paying monthly if you were actually to own or buy a house is not as much as what you would you will pay if you are actually saying, I just want to rent, mm-hmm. you know? So most of the time you'll be like, it's better for me to buy a house than to rent a house, you know, and you find yourself being in, you know, in the in the crowd of borrowers, if I may put it that way. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want us to get something wrong, but personally for me, I don't see anything wrong in borrowing. And this is why I would say, when Elijah was going to bless that woman with the oil, mm-hmm. he told her, he said, yeah, she had oil, right? But she mm. didn't have vessels that was going to multiply the oil. Mm. Elijah told, gave her advice, said, go to your neighbors and borrow. Mm. 
the vessel that she was going to use, you know, the oil was going to be multiplied, but it had to have a container. And it got to the point she said, oh, the children said, there is no more vessel. And then the, the Bible said the oil stayed. Mm. So the more uh, vessel she had borrowed, the more oil. But then he, he said something. He said, sell the oil, then pay off your debt. So she didn't, she wasn't a perpetual borrower. That's mm. another one I need to bring up. So, um, the system itself is built in such a way that they would give you, it's almost like giving you money. You would think you, this is your money. Do whatever you want to do with it. You want to buy an, you want to buy the latest iPhone. You would buy the latest iPhone here, right? You would, you would buy it. It would be yours. You would take it home, but you could be paying for it for the next two years, three years. The same thing with car. So, I mean, for those in Nigeria, I always try and tell them, when you are seeing people doing all this, you see somebody driving car, you say, ah, oh, their house, ah, oh, oh, what's the only It's true, but at the same time, those things, can, <laughs> it can go, they are not done paying for it until they are done paying for it. Mm -hmm. So that makes people find themselves in unavoidable debt, like mm -hmm. owing and owing and, 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 and owing such that at the end of the day or at the end of the month, like you mentioned, they, are, they find themselves, they're paying back into all this bank and into all this loan. So what is the solution? Prioritize. Some people mm -hmm. are getting things that they don't need. Do you need a house? Yes. Now, what type of house? If you are a family of just four, why do you want to get a house of a five bedroom? Some people want to live bigger than what they are, really are. And that's when they find themselves in this web. web. They, want to, they want to buy a good, what happens with just buying a used car? Why do you want to buy a brand new car that is way beyond? Because at the end of the day, the, the more expensive it is, the mm -hmm. more money you have to pay back. The more, uh, so it's, it's prioritized. Oh, is this something you need? Okay, if it is something you need, how can you, if, if it's a car you need, can a Toyota Corolla still um, fulfill the need mm. that getting a Bentley? They're all, they're all going to ride on the same road. They're all going to get you to the same destination. But if your level is not up to a Bentley and you say, oh, you want to buy a Bentley and all of those things, then the person that bought the Toyota Corolla that would just be paying maybe $100 per month versus the person that bought the Bentley and is paying $1,000 per month, that is where the entanglement comes in. Mm. Uh, I really enjoyed the video. I wish I could say so much, but I don't want to be the only one talking. Thank you. God bless. Yeah, thank you so much, Erin. So I love how you you brought a balance to it. Because before I came to the UK, I'm like, I'm never going to borrow. And then I came and my husband was like, we need to get credit card. And I said, no, we're not getting credit card. <laughs> and <laughs> so he had to like, I mean, he had to lecture me on how on the fact that this community, so to speak, is built on credit. But then one, um, what should I call it now? One of the things that I have resolved to personally is, which I think could help us too is, so 
at the end of the day, if I look at all the expenses, so the campaign, 100 pounds, or everything, I list everything out, and my monthly salary cannot take care of them, then it means that I'm living beyond my means. That's right. And I don't know why I'm the one that got this um, money matter bit because I'm quite... <laughs> anyway, so if you're spending more than that, then it means that you're, you're eating your seed, you're doing more than you should. And that has always been my mantra. Now I'm open to getting a credit card, but then I'm like, so for, for an example, now when she mentioned the iPhone, I smiled. Because my husband had been telling me, oh, he wants to get, he wants to change his iPhone. And the first question I would ask is, can you afford it? And then he was like, okay, this, 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 and that. And then he changed it. And then, you know, it would have to be paying, just like she said, a certain amount every, every month. Mm. And then I would like think about it in my head. Can this guy really afford it? I'm like, okay, he can afford it. And then I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. And so I'll just like us to think about it because as much as, again, this is my, it could be my bias. I feel like that's one of the reasons why the whites don't have savings at the end of the day because the credit is there and you know you can always fall back on it and keep borrowing every time, every time. Um, I can see, I think it's Steven and Olusion they have their hands raised. Oh. Yep. Steven. Okay, good evening, everyone. Um, I, would, I would like to share uh, my own experience. It was actually last year. Um, it all stemmed from um, being financially irresponsible and not um, living within my means. Okay, I left um, my country. I got an opportunity to travel to a different country and I was given a grant and it was like, it meant like what I used to get for a whole year, I was getting it in three months. So for me, it was like, oh, like, okay. <laughs> so, and I was, I was going to Europe and, and it was as if like the place I stayed, it was like beyond what I, I would have, I should have stayed. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was paying bills and all then, I met someone before going traveling, traveling and the person was giving me this ideology that, you know, you can just go anywhere, God will take care of you, like, don't worry, you can do, you know, like, <laughs> so I had by that wrong mentality, like, that's, 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 that's just to say, to talk about the financial responsibility, like, I was like, oh, no, no problem, anywhere I go, like, God is just there for me, I'll be fine, mm -hmm. so, I went to different countries, you know, and and I I it ended up, you know, very sadly. Like someone had to pay for my flight back, my flight back home, and and it really humbled me. So it's a matter of um, learning to live within your means and be financially responsible. Never think, uh, depend on. Uh, um, yes, God blesses us, but you also have to learn how to. Manage what he blesses you with. Like it's mm -hmm. not just like okay, probably he blesses you, and you're like okay, because he has blessed me, then I can now become extravagant and you know be, you know, getting what going beyond your means, like just paying for everything 
at the end you 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 might cry so it's better to 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 to, to live within your means and 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 be responsible thank you <laughs> thank you thank you so much for sharing um Lucia. yes thank you very much so i would like to say that even in communities i mean in in the western world where there is discredit and this credit here, credit there, and all of that. There's still a way by which they, they monitor it. I mean, they, they, they try as much as possible to limit you to a particular rate. Before you can apply for any credit card or anything, they will check your history and that will determine the amounts of credits they are willing to give to you. Even with mortgage, with buying cars, with whatever you want to do, there's a way they will check to know if you can really, really afford to be, you, they might probably put you on a thousand dollar, a thousand pound, and as and they increase it as it's, I mean, as it comes. And um, like everybody has said, it's all about priority. Prioritize your need. And for we that we are Nigerians, eh, ah, by the time we even look at the um, people at home, you consider the kind of life they are living, you would want to be prudent. You don't want to do, you want to do anyhow. So before I actually conclude, I would like to give this instance. So one of my colleagues was saying that um, he has always wanted to drive a Range Rover, a Range Rover Sports, that that has been his dream car. We were just talking about car and I'm like, oh, I like fine cars, I like Benz, I like Tesla, I like this and that. But definitely I know I can't afford it at the minute and this, this, this. It was like, ah, oh, yeah, that he really wanted a Range Rover Sport. And um, so what he did, he said he went to the, he went to the people, people that are selling the car and he told them this, 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 this. Fortunately for him, they gave him the car. He, he started the, he started paying on the car. He said the, the day he drove the car home, his wife stopped talking to him. Like, we cannot afford this thing. Why are you getting this type of car in this house? That his wife stopped talking to him that the first month he did pay the money, the second month, said by the third month, he went to return the car. He said he has satisfied his urge of only a Range Rover Sports. And I felt like, hmm, maybe that could work. I'm asking as a question. <laughs> what type of car do you want? Ah, me, I want Tesla. Tesla now. <laughs> <laughs> I want Tesla. <laughs> I don't have a car. <laughs> You, you said you are asking that as a question. Yes. So do you know if he actually bought the car or it was leased to him? So he didn't buy the car. It was leased to him. Like Exactly. You, exactly. It was leased to him and he drove it for three months, I think. Then he returned it. Like, I can't afford it. Please have your car. Okay. Let's yeah that's what i wanted to clarify because i i wanted to mention that um to answer your question maybe you know for some people they just it's a dream right they just want to accomplish that dream. for him it could work because he leased the car and the way lease works is that you and that's just it you are paying for the car paying for the car they could tell you you this is the amount you pay for the next 
three years that you will lease it. So he could afford to return it back and, and you know, get off of the, the yoke of having to pay the car. But if he had bought the car, buying in the sense that he still have to pay monthly, and then he's like, oh, I can't afford this thing again. No, I want to go and return it. Like, so first of all, no, no car dealer will just, you say you want to return a car you bought for three months. They won't, they won't collect it from you. Rather, they will buy it back from you. And when they do that, you'll be surprised at the amount with which they will buy it. You yourself, you even feel like costing them. Because definitely they are not going to buy it at the amount they sold it to you, it's number really one. Yeah. And the amount with which they will buy it from you, you would rather sell it to an outsider than to sell it to a dealership. Because they are structured to make gain. They will buy it at a lesser rate mm. and then sell that same car to another person. Because it's now a used car. It's used. So you're not going to get the same. So basically, like they always say, a car, for instance, a car is 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 a liability. It's not an asset. That's that's what I'm trying to say. So if um, people want to live out their dreams, trying to go that route, it might not really work in all aspects. You know, it still boils down to um, being uh, financially responsible. And another thing I wanted to mention is um, one of the things or the principle that um, is advisable to use from a financial aspect is look at 100%. Look at your, your income on a, 100%, whether you're a student or something like you're getting seven or you're, you're working. Now, 100%. Now, when you get 100%, at the end of the day, you should still be able to save about 30% of your income. If you're not able to save about maybe, out, and this is not with your title, God, you have to say to God in his own. So if you have not been able to save like 30% out of your income, you know, covering other expenses, then there's tendency that you'll be living from like hand to mouth. Like, oh, as it's coming in, it's going back out. As it's coming in, it's going out. It means that your, your spending, your monthly bills or whatever it is that it's that means there is somewhere you have to balance it out so that you'll be able to meet up with that savings of 30 percent um the aspect of credit that uh borrowing that i mentioned in 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 a country in industrialized countries like i was saying that the system was set up in such a way that you just have to borrow the thing is if you don't borrow they will tell you uh, they'll be asking you, 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 you I don't know how it is in the UK, Pasakala can maybe shed more light on that. But in the US, when you are here, anything you want to buy, those like, what's your credit score? What they're asking you indirectly is uh, that credit score is built after a while, after they have seen how well you are able to manage your finances and how is that determined? Oh, you are as you are spending with credit card, you are paying back, you are keeping up with your uh, with your monthly payment, not just monthly payment, but you are even meeting up with the payment and things like that. That builds your credit score. So there are some people. Just uh, Sister Sean was saying. Uh, sorry, I know I'm taking time. Sister Sean was uh, trying to explain that that the same person. Uh, let me go back to our example that bought a Range Rover that got it 
at a, a rate of maybe you will be paying, um, let me use Naira, that's common to all of us. You'll be paying 30,000 Naira every month as a payback. You, for credit score purpose, that same Range Rover, they will give it to another person whose credit score is not that good, and it will end up paying 50,000 uh, Naira every month. The same car, the same company, mm -hmm. the same everything. Why? Because somebody's score is higher and the other person's score is lower. They, are, mm -hmm. they use that to determine your financial uh, responsibility. Mm -hmm. You guys say, oh, I don't want to get credit card. I used to have that mentality. Ah, I don't want to have credit card though. But when it came to buying a car and buying a house, the reality dawned on me that you just have to have the credit card because that is how they used to weigh your financial um, um, discipline and, and all, all of that. And the last thing, I remember the some of my husband's former colleagues uh, this was to happen that brother when he was sharing his story i remember that story this story he had some friends that came from nigeria came to the u.s you know they started doing tour you know <laughs> on on recognized tour so to speak in other words they just decided to go from city to city not because they were singers or musicians or preachers they just wanted to enjoy which is not bad but they what got them is they were going to these places by flight. Mm. So it got to the time, by the time they were returning to Nigeria, they literally were almost begging to, to actually get to the airport because they had spent everything they had. Now, why? What they were using flights, where they were using flights to get, they could have used train or they could have used a bus. It will take them longer. Yeah, flight could take you two hours. A train could take you maybe four hours. But then they would have been able to preserve their money and will not end up being a beggar. I will wrap up with the story again. Back to Elijah. That widow that was begging for oil. What got her into that debt was because her husband wasn't financially wise. And he left them. He died and left them with a debt such that... They wanted to use her sons as collateral. Um, I pray God will continue to give us that wisdom so that we will not add uh, what should have been out of wisdom, we will not add it as prayer points that uh, God, uh, God, God take me out of this death or something like that. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I don't know if anyone else still wants to share, but while we wait, I'll just like to go back to the video that we um, watched where Handy mentions that 100% of our money mm -hmm. and I would like us to think of it in this way. I don't know if we're all salary earners or if we have you know, business people and think of whatever money it is that you get, maybe on a weekly basis or monthly basis, that that money belongs to God. Uh, it is not the 10% that belongs to God. It is the 100%. For me, the issue comes when maybe after I've paid my tithe and he impresses it on my heart to let go of extra 20% that I didn't plan for. That's for me. I wouldn't know what that might look like for you. 
but you would know because you know you'd be sincere to yourself. So I'd like us to you know examine our hearts and ask God for help in that area. And I'd also like us to note that whatever amount it is we get as income that God is entrusting these monies to us. If we go back to that scriptures that um, Handy referred to, he mentions that it wasn't about the amount. It wasn't about how much each of those servants got. It was what did they do with the money? And I'll post that as a question to us. One is, are we, do we look at others and feel like God is unfair to us? And we feel like this person does not do as much as I do and he earns more. Or he might even be at our places of work where we you know, have that stuff in our hearts. Like I should be earning more than this guy. I got here before him and that has become our focus in a way. God is calling us back onto himself and he's saying, it is not about how much. Now I'm not, I'm not saying that we won't have expenses. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, can we have a change of perspective and look at these monies that we have from God's perspective? What is God saying about this money that I earn on a monthly basis? And can we also see it as God is entrusting these monies to me? How am I managing this money? And he said, God owns the money. So he, when, he, when he made the example of if you hire a financial planner and the financial planner says, it seems, <laughs> I mean, that's what I would be afraid about, fire the financial planner. Like, what do you mean? That's my money. And God is saying to us this evening that, it's not your money, it's my money. And I'm entrusting it onto you for you to either invest or whatever it is that I want us to, to do with it. I think there was a time Pastor Kala mentioned that when, I'm not sure, when he, he gets income, for example, he would ask God, what should I do or what should they do with the money? And I think that that could also, you know, apply to us one way or the other. The next thing I would like us to note is responsibility and accountability. So when the master came back um, and he was asking the guy with the five talents, the one with the two and the one with the one, what they had done with the money. So when we remember that the money is not mine, it shapes our mentality and it helps us to know that we will be accountable just as we know that one day I'm going to die and I'm going to give account of what I have done with my life. Is it also possible for us to, you know, have it at the back of our minds that I need to give account of how I spend God's money and what I do with his money. And what I resolved to do is, so from today now, if God were to, Call me and say, Adela, how have you been using my resources? Would he fire me? Hmm. Probably. In a month's time, would he still fire me? So what do I do between now and in a month's time that I will continue to do that, would, that I would um, inculcate into my um, you know, daily life? The first thing is keep track of how we spend our money. And as we said in the beginning, 
we shouldn't just um, say, oh, I know. We need to be intentional about what we do or how we keep track of the money and also have the mindset of how am I managing my master's money? I like to get more conscious. I don't know when we're supposed to finish, but then that's all I have. So I'd like for us to, um, Pastor Kala is smiling already. I'd like for us to add, let me see, Pastor Kala does something. So would, somebody yeah. was spoken with, um, Sister I said, Brother uh. M, Sister Jane, Brother Kingsley, Brother Dylan. Do you have anything to add? Um, before I hand over to Pastor Cole. Mr. Price is raising her hand. Mr. Price. Okay, thank you very much. Um, as, um, as you were speaking, a lot of things were just going through my mind. And one of the things that came to my mind is um, where I currently work, like we account for every single cover that we spend. And I mean every single cover. Like it gets we draft memo a lot and it goes for approval because of course it's the company's money and um, there has to be an account for what it is spent for. Like even if you had to spend money for something that you can actually see what you spent it for, but maybe it wasn't a necessary expense or something, it will be approved and you just use your money to replace it, that kind of stuff. I was just thinking if we could actually, like first you were saying something like, um, it is God's money and we get to account of it. Can we get so serious about our finances to the extent where we know that every single thing we spend for, it's not just to just indulge ourselves because we feel, okay, we are the owners. I worked for the money and all, but when we change our mentality to the fact that, okay, this is not actually mine, it's God and I need to be responsible with it. I pray God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, for, for someone like me, I mean, it seems like everyone here, maybe except me, I don't know, is, I mean, earning, basically working. For me, I'm a student, so it's like, even if I'm doing a little something on the side, but I mean, more of my, I mean, I get pocket money every month from my dad, so it's like, that's like my major anyways. So it's like, of course, every time, I don't know, I guess I just like to think about, because of I like to think about the worst that could happen in situations, I just like to like, oh, really save as much as I can. Because sometimes I just think wild. <laughs> I, know, I guess I shouldn't be thinking that wild sometimes, but sometimes I just think like, oh, imagine if something happened to my dad, like, and then, okay, for, yeah, anything happening to him and then he's unable to send me money for the next month. Okay, do I, can I actually survive that next month without him sending me? money so when i when i think about that i'm like okay i guess i should even i should be able to save up that okay even if something happens and then it's unable to send me for the next two months can I actually still cope with whatever i have and then and then when i think about it i remember um i think last year or something after because i okay sorry i'm really saying a lot of things right now let me just calm down okay so first of all um in 2020 yeah shortly after i moved to the philippines i got scammed yeah, and then sadly I got scammed. I eventually got to find that I got scammed by a Nigerian here. So I wanted to buy a laptop. I tried purchasing it online and then for some reason I lost a lot of money. So I was really, really sad. 
I think at that point I was thinking more, oh my God, it's my dad's money. And then see I just squandered it. And then I got in debt because, yeah, I got in debt some way somehow. And then I, God helped me pay back the debt. And since then I've been, of course, definitely more prudent about how I spend money and all of that. And then I remember I, I actually wrote a list of, okay, these are things I spend money on. Okay, maybe sometimes I eat out and all of those things. And then I, I also decided to add my spending triggers, which is one of the main things I actually want to talk about. Like know your spending triggers. Mm. So for me, I know one of, one of my spending triggers would be going, maybe going out with friends, maybe just, yeah, going out. So when I know a place, okay, I know that, okay, maybe my friends want to go out somewhere and then I'm like, mm, I'm going to be spending amount that I know uh, I don't think is worth it to eat with these people. So I'll just come up with an excuse like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm not, I can't. So at least I get to manage that and at least I know, okay, I limit the amount of times I'm going out to eat and then, okay, that's one. And then another spending trigger would be the online shop, yeah. Me, online shop. So that would be, because there's, there's this thing about free shipping. So every month, there's usually a free shipping period. So it's like, like now for this month, it's like, since it's, since it's the ninth month of the year, it's like 9th of September, mm. there is free shipping for, and then it's not just that 9th of September. Let's say they start from like 6th of September to like maybe 11th of September. So it's like free shipping. And then sometimes I just go, not because I really know I, there's really anything I want to buy, but then, oh, it's free shipping. I'm like, oh, hmm, what, what could I possibly need? Oh, I think I need a lunchbox. Oh, I need a lunchbox bag also. And I'm like, mm, ah, maybe I also need to change. Mm, I'm just thinking of different things like, oh, I possibly need something that I just don't know until I, of course, online window shopping. And then I find out what I can add to my cart. But then for the past, um, I mean, the last time I ordered was when I came back from Nigeria because I needed to get some things and all of that. But then, I mean, they've been sending messages for this month and then I'm like, mm, no, I don't think there's anything I need. I'm not going to go to that. I mean, I still have the app on my phone anyway because I know I would need it. But then I'm not going there to check anything I want to order because there's nothing I think I want to order. So I'm not doing that to myself. So yeah, I think that's one of, I mean, those are my two, spending triggers and then I'm really trying to work on them so that they don't of course make me go bankrupt even if it's still my dad's money so I feel like actually is learning to handle my dad's well it's not my dad's money it's God's money anyways but then is it's true him I get the money right so it's like yeah. learning to manage it that way at least that would probably help me in future when I start really earning of course for myself and all of that so yeah earning the millions <laughs> yeah <laughs> In billions. Mm, mm. <laughs> the spending triggers. Nice. That's I think so Ife raised a hand as well. Yeah, Sister Ife. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Thank you, Sister Adiola. It's been a very wonderful one. Um, my contribution is when I was just listening, the first thing that came to mind was. I shouldn't just feel that I know, I, I know it all. Like, I should not feel that I can give enough or I should not feel I know how to manage my money enough. So I should let him manage the money for me every time. 
because there are some times that we feel we are so, oh, I, I'm so intentional. I can save, I can, I, I know how to calculate everything, but you realize that you have not even been doing anything <laughs> that much. So that's one thing that came to mind. And another one that I've been learning is discounts. Mm. While being a student, I never enjoyed any student discounts. I, I was too busy that I don't look for, like, I don't check online and all that to search for those benefits. Even when it comes to my studies, like teachers are there, they are ready for you to come every time to get that free extra lesson, that free extra talk mm -hmm. just to help you. I wasn't doing any of that. I just like, I was too, I need to work, I need to work, I need to get back to this. I, so I didn't have time to even explore anything. But <laughs> it's something I'm trying to learn now that, and later on, I found out that there were actually quite a lot of things that I missed out from, like things that I could have easily saved my money, my money, like things, so many things I realized later that I felt, oh, I should have enjoyed from this. I should have spent my money on this. I should have saved better. So now I'm trying to see that they are actually some benefit out there for us part-time so we should just try and explore try and see yeah where those benefits are and try to make use of it very wisely and make it of us as everyone says amen let's just add something i've been trying to raise my hand up but this device is not allowing me to do that for some reason uh, I mean, I'll just build up from, from what Sister I first said last, because I feel like on the other flip side of things in that line of um, trying to look out for what may benefit you. So I feel like making value for everything is not just money with regards to cash, but it's also money with regards to time. Because mm. I feel like sometimes we can't spend a lot of time trying to look for discounts while we can make more money at that time we are looking for that discount and all those kind of things. I mean, that's um, on a side note. Um, cause I mean, a practical example would be, I know in Nigeria, then you can quarrel with a conductor, a bus conductor for like 30 minutes over 10 naira. I mean, that might look like a lot of money, but think of it like the amount of energy you spent dragging about 10 naira. <laughs> if you've got better plan, you would have made more than that. Um, that's one. Second thing I was going to talk about was about credit system. Um, yeah, I feel like it all boils down to management. Because I feel like there's a great profit in credit system. Reason being that I was making a joke with my cousin over the weekend that if you're you are rich and you can't survive inflation, then I feel like you are still poor. Because I think of it like if you borrow like seven thousand five over five years, over five years the value of that money is not like seven thousand five. Inflation mm. would have taken a couple of it, and what you're paying back is still maybe eight thousand five hundred pounds if um on top of it, and again depending on um what if it's the money for you probably might have made more profit than that amount of that so um and again i feel like uh, from crazy times gives you a bit of leverage because in uk they have this student loan a lot of people might argue like yeah you are being in debt for that number of i mean for that reason 
But again, I feel like a place like Nigeria where people don't have such system, some people have the willingness to go to school, but they can't afford it. But, and again, if you think of like, if there was no loan system and you might end up as a minimum wage salary or the other, but with the loan system, I feel like even if, I mean, I'm not saying it's the best system or what, I'm not comparing whether it's the best or not the best, but I'm just thinking of like, there's also like the advantage of it. Housing as well, so like Morgan, all that, as someone earlier said that the amount of money you pay for rent is similar to what you pay and mortgage and all that. So um, we even like if you're if you're into like mortgage system, you probably be a house owner quicker than if you're all going through paying rent and all that or renting a house and all that. And the last thing I would say is that I said earlier is that everything is not it's not just about the cash or the paper money, but I feel like there's other wealth even in time and also our resources and of different forms and kinds. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. And I love your perspective about time equating to money. Mm. That in a way fits back to the last series where we talked about, you know, the rest. Um, it's been a great time. I was nervous at first, but you guys, you know, helped. But you honed it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the opportunity. So I'll hand over to Pastor Carl. Thank you very much, um, boss lady. Permit me to publicly mention the the special name that we call you around here. <laughs> Thank you so much. Beautiful session. I am just. I've been jotting and jotting, and even me myself, I'm I'm learning, and I'm so glad for tonight's session. Despite the fact that my wife and I had gone through this series on our own before, like months back. Um, listening to everything again is just like making sense and I'm also feeling all those bass boosts that, <laughs> that we felt at the very beginning of it. Um, so thank you Sister Diola. To tie it together and our time is up so this is not going to be long, would just be to emphasize on intentionality in all these things that we've spoken about. Some of the things we've heard today we are not hearing it for the first time if we are being honest. Um, but between whenever you heard it first and now, the reason why nothing has really changed is probably because we've not been intentional enough to take a step and make a change, start doing something, stop doing something, do more of something that is good and do less of something that is bad. I think for me too, the big takeaway statement is that um, difference between knowing and knowing that you can know. Well, since I've had my bank account here, I think almost every month they would post, not almost every month, every month they post a physical copy of my bank statements, which my wife will keep putting at the place where I can see it to open it. But sometimes I just take it and directly tear it and put it back in the bin uh, until last month when I actually told them to stop sending me paper copies um, that I'm fine without it. Uh, but the point is, yes, they are sending it, but I just don't see the need to, why should I see? I know I know that I spent money. I made money. I spent money. Thank you very much. I can see my balance in the app. So don't bother sending me the statement. But I think one of the things that we should all take away from this particular um, session today is the mentality, the attitude, the 
personality that Andy is trying to point us to become. And don't detach this from where we were coming from two weeks ago and where we will be going next, next meeting, that uh, money can add value or meaning to your life, but it is not the meaning of life. They're the only person that actually gives eternal and ultimate meaning to our life is God. And when we realize that what we tend to prioritize so high, what many people tend to spend all of their lives chasing after, namely money, is also God's. And that he has given it to us to steward. It changes the game, really. Like I've never fully ingested that picture of myself as a steward of God's money in every sense of the word. Sometimes we hide on that tight and say, yes, I've given God the 10%. Now I can do whatever I like with the rest and believing that because you gave him 10%, somehow he pronounces some miraculous blessing upon the remaining 90% and you still squander it and it feels like the blessing is not manifesting. No, we need that intentionality basically to realize that everything is his own and the one you use in spending on Chinese and the one you spent on eBay, and the one you spent, my wife is laughing, <laughs> and the one you spent wherever you spent it, it's all God's money. Um, yeah, that's that's just a big one for me. Um, and thank God that many other little, little nuances had come up, you know, things like all these marketing strategies of Black Friday, and when Black Friday finished, they will tell you, you come for Cyber Monday. And after Cyber Monday, they tell you Christmas is here or Thanksgiving is here. Or... There's always something that would drive the market. There's Valentine that is coming. Where is your boyfriend? Um, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They are all marketing strategies. Amazon will come with Prime Day. And you discover at the end of the day that even the things that are supposed to be discounted are not discounted, or if I thought they are, is because they've raised the, the prices before and then discounted it to bring it back to what it should actually be. And you say, wow, I'm saving a whole lot of pounds when in fact you yeah, are saving nothing. So I, I think we've got a lot of things to wisen us up from this session and to translate that into intentional um managerial mindset and it starts from knowing you can't manage money when you don't know how you're spending it so it starts from there and i'm looking forward to come back to uh, my spreadsheet at the end our spreadsheet at the end of the month and actually see will god be impressed with this report card <laughs> how can we how can we make this spreadsheet look um even better and more robust as the case may be anyways so thank you everyone for showing up. Thank you for coming and let's 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 let this simmer and let's take it on, you know, to actually do something about it. Let's do the assignment we've been given, which is to become inspectors of the money that God has committed into your hand. How, how are you spending it? Where is it going to? Not that you shouldn't spend it, spend it, but Note how you spent it and, and take note of that. Oh, okay, this went to that direction. Oh, okay, that one was to buy dinosaur for Joshua. Okay, ah, oh, this one went to buy this and that. Okay, will God be impressed <laughs> with the way we have used it? I'm so enjoying this because I'm tickling my wife from a virtual distance. Anyways, let's pray. <laughs> let's bring this to a close. Um,
and we'll see in two weeks if you want to be a superstar student and you want to read ahead you are free the series is fortunately on youtube so if you just type um if money talked andy stanley it will come up and the person that would be facilitating the next session all things being equal would be annie osakwe um annie osakwe on the 16th of september three days after my wife's birthday Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for tonight. It's been a good time. And thank you for this awakening, actually. This call, this invitation to become intentional managers of one of the most important resources you commit to men, money. Uh, your word says money answers all things, but your word also tells us the love of money is the root of all evil. And so we're asking that you help us to steward this dangerous, blissful resource so that we can use it in ways that would make you say, yeah, that's my boy. Oh, yeah, that's my girl. To make you proud, to bring the glory to you, to bring returns to the kingdom, to translate into populating your kingdom and depopulating hell's kingdom or satan's kingdom if he has one we're just asking oh god help us help us and yes we know some of us are in debt and we're just wondering okay yes i want to be all these things you're saying but can you first of all help me get out of the debt i mean we're asking oh god that you help as many as are in such a situation that you teach us what we need to know and help us to see the opportunities that are around us that could help us move forward in this journey to become more and more like Jesus, even in how we steward the things you've given us. We thank you and we worship you. And when we say in two weeks, let's have more joy, more people and more opportunities in Jesus' name. Amen.